Apocalypse. This is Jared the Apocalypse, Nerd Wallace for a podcast at Ground Zero with Adam Scott Glancy for episode number 18, The Day After Versus Threads. So we're going to be talking about both of these classic 1980s scare tactic nuclear war uh, made-for-TV shows. Scare tactic? You mean like, are you suggesting that these dirty hippies made nuclear war not look as fun as it clearly was going to be? Oh, well, it's still clearly going to be fun, but they're trying they are trying to poo-poo on our parade, apparently. <laughs> yeah, because we all know post-nuclear war it was all going to be mohawks and crossbows and, you know, fast cars. Uh, uh, it wasn't It wasn't going to be this vomiting until the lining of your stomach inverts out of your mouth like a giant slimy party balloon. Well, well, well that, that was maybe in the beginning, but afterwards it gets fun, you know, so... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, these guys don't make it look fun. They really don't. No, come on. I mean, everybody knows that there's going to be, like you said, fast cars, buttless chaps, football, shoulder pads, and mohawks everywhere. So and and fleshy-headed mutants. Let's not forget the fleshy-headed mutants. I mean, that, although I guess technically Threads gave us a fleshy-headed mutant, but let's let's proceed, shall we? Yes. So, folks, we're going to talk about these two uh, classic films here. Uh, the Day After being the American film and Threads being the U.K. film. Uh, the it's, day a- it's, it's worth doing The Day After first because technically it comes out first. It, I mean, did, it, com- it, it, it did come proceeds. out first. It originally aired November twentieth, 1983 on ABC television. Appar- apparently, the million people watched it during... 100 million people watched it during its initial broadcast. You know, the, in the bad old days before everyone had a VCR or a time cable, yeah. cable or something or something better to watch, you know, like yeah. YouTube. So, dude, uh, it was a television event. It was. Remember when they used to give us television events? Um, vaguely, but yeah. uh, well, based on the gray in your beard, I bet you remember. Yeah, right. So, hey, I've had this gray for years. So we're gonna talk about the day after, which first came first, 1983, and then. Uh, Threads came out afterwards. Threads aired originally in the UK uh, September 23rd, 1984 uh, on BBC2. And then again, uh, it, it first aired in America in January 13th, 1985. So I'm not sure if you know uh, the day after inspired uh, Threads, but I, but I think actually there's another there's okay, there's a documentary uh, out there. Uh, called, it was called, um, oh, fuck, I just lost it, I had it. It was called, um, on the eighth, On the Eighth Day. No, 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 no. Oh. A Guide to Armageddon. It was part of the QED program in England. Uh, it originally aired in July 26, 1982, and it was written and directed by Mike Jackson, who, perchance, is, was the, uh, director and producer for Threads, and that came out in 1982. Uh, but from watching uh, A Guide to Armageddon, which I was turned on to from Bill from PostApocalyptic.com, because we've been talking about On the Eighth Day, and we'll talk about that later, he'd, he, he'd turn around and said, hey, uh, a, a Guide to Armageddon was actually done by the same guy, and it is. So I watched it. It's about a 30-minute documentary on the effects of uh, uh, one megaton warhead detonated over uh, an English city and the effects and what would happen. Um, I, I've actually, I have that actually favorited 
on our YouTube channel. So if you go to the favorites of Podcast Akron Zero, it's on there, so you can watch that. Basically, it seems like Threads is a much bigger and more detailed expansion of that, except instead of focusing on the one detonation event, it still talks about the same kind of things, but we'll get more into Threads uh, uh, later. But we'll talk about the day after first. It's just an interesting little fact that same guy did that pre and post the day after. So, Well, let me, let me take a moment to throw Nicholas Meyer out here. The guy who, who uh, did the day after, who directed it, uh, is the guy who brought us time after time with Malcolm McDowell. Wow. Uh, and uh, David Warner as, as Jack the Ripper. He directed Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, the best Star Trek movie. Um, you, mean, you mean there was others besides that one? Well, he also directed Star Trek IV, The Undiscovered Country, which is okay, but is essentially a Star Trek remake of the Gene Hackman movie, The Package, which is a Cold War thriller. And uh, it's just Star Trek plastered over a Cold War script. But he, he also did that. He also did, um, uh, you remember a movie with Tom Hanks called Volunteers? Yes. Comedy, uh, Tim Thomerson, uh, with, uh, John Candy was in it. Um, I actually quite liked Volunteers back in the day. And uh, the other like, one he did that's... They're like, they're, like, they're, like, they're like missionaries or something, or they're volunteers. Peace Corps. In Afri Peace Corps and like Africa, and they're like helping the villagers out or something, well, right? They're, they're, they're in Southeast Asia in the 60s, and so, you know, uh, half of it is, you know, the, the CIA and the communists are all fighting over this little village. And um, anyways, it's a comedy, of course. But the other one I want to throw out is he did a movie called The Deceivers, which is Pierce Brosnan in a movie about the thuggy cult in India, set huh. in like the 1830s, and it's really good. It's a really so Nicholas Myers has not, you know, he's got some duds out there, but out of his director credits, and he's only got ten, most of them are pretty good. Most of them are not are are, are pretty good. Time after time, Star Trek Day After, uh, Volunteers, Deceivers, Star Trek Six. So, so he's got a pretty decent uh, pedigree. Yeah, yeah, and um, and uh, the and so I don't think this is quite his strongest piece of work, but all right. But let's move on. That, that's uh, no, not quite. Okay, so I just recently, again, not that I haven't seen this uh, a couple of times, but I haven't watched The Day After in quite a long time, so I needed to rewatch it. And Threads I've seen several times. I, wa I rewatched them both, and I know you rewatched them both just to kind of yeah. ref refresh our memory. And there were things that Threads I totally forgot about, which are awesome. But we'll get we'll get we'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get, get, get to that. We'll get to that because sadly, folks, for my are the Americans watching this, the Brits kick our ass. All right, yeah. uh, the, the the American show is what two hours and ten minutes uh, worth of uh, yeah, two hours and seven minutes. But okay. uh, uh, and, now, but but the Brits deliver. A concentrated apocalypse that is so much more horrible. Yeah. Well, the day after, I remember first watching it and then watching Threads back in, again, 1984. Thing. Now, you saw it when it was first on television, right? I mean, I both, watched it when, when it was first on television. Both of them, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. And I remember thinking, you know, the day after was, oh, what a horrible piece of crap. It totally didn't, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, depict things correctly. Watching it again 20-something years later, it's still not very good, but it's not as bad as I remember. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's not as bad as I remember. I will give it that. Okay, let me get this out there. Folks, spoiler alerts for this entire episode, okay? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because 
again, the movies are uh, 83, 93, 03, okay, you know, 30 years old. If you haven't seen it yet, I'm sorry. We're, we're going to talk about it a lot, okay? Yeah. Uh, we'll, try, we'll try not, I'm not get, we'll not get every little minutia, but there will be spoilers, okay? You'll be hearing about our favorite moments. Yes. Now, the day after, the thing that, that got me, which I forgot about, was the whole beginning sequence of patriotic music and images of America! You know, it was so... Farmland, all that, all the, the camera rolling over all that farmland oh my and God. small town America, and this, this sort of, oh, I don't know, this sort of swelling, you know, uh, music. Oh, my God. It's like Dvorak's New World Symphony or fanfare for the common man or something. Yeah, it's so like, America's great, America, you know. And they do this a lot throughout the film. They keep on, you know, they would show like, show, like, these images of, like, these statues, remembering our war veterans and all over this, mo this movie. And it's just like, it gets a little bit like, seriously, guys, okay, yeah, we get it, America's great, okay? <laughs> but, um... Or more importantly, this is what we're going to piss away. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the movie takes place. It's very uh, specifically takes place in Kansas, Kansas City, uh, because that's where a, you know a large string of Minuteman missile silos are all up and down the states there. So this is where they really focus the film of the events that take place, basically outside of Kansas City and, and the, do, the suburbs. Do you remember when the camera's going over the uh, the beautiful American farmland, showing the the threshers harvesting wheat as they're going over the farms? All of a sudden, you start seeing missile silo hatches. Yep. Poked you know, in here and there. Yeah, yep. and it's like, oh, you know, there's more than going on here than amber waves of grain, you know? Well, I mean, you know, I guess you... Well, that, well, well the nuclear missile silos are not the harvest that you want to, uh, you know... Yeah, reap. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps that's not the harvest you want to reap. But it's interesting that they're showing that stuff at the very beginning so that there's this... Idyllic America, right next to, you know, these giant holes in the ground in which live monsters. Yeah. And certainly, that was my impression when you and I went to that missile silo. Oh yeah. In in Washington, was it was like going to the cave of smog, you know? <laughs> while oh yeah. He's, while after he's left and moved on to better things, and you're just like, oh yeah, something really evil squatted in this this giant cave. And we'll, and, we'll, and we'll talk about that one of these days, folks. Is uh, we took a trip out to uh, a Titan, a decommissioned Titan One missile silo out in Odessa, Washington. So yeah. we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about our trip there one of these days. Not, not the nice, snazzy, you know, missiles Titan missile museum in Arizona. We're talking no, no, no. about a decommissioned, flooded at parts, rusty, climbing around it for hours. Decommissioned for 50, 40, 50 yeah, years you, missile silo. You, you and I, you and I, our fat asses were climbing up and down on on rickety ladders mm. that were lean, leaned up against shit. I mean, just construction ladders. Oh yeah, like some some of it was uh, you know kind of scary. I was like, I don't really want to do this. You oh know, but yeah. Moving on, though. Moving, moving on. on. So, so it's very centric to Kansas City is the focal point of of the story, and the focal point of the destination. And they talk about uh, and Lawrence and Lawrence and Lawrence. Well, yeah, that's where you know the outskirts everybody tends to go. So, yeah, they start off built, you know, as you know, building up the characters. Like, okay, here are your main characters. Here's your main families. You know, like any other story, they're gonna you know, you know, give you all the players. 
And and one of the problems with watching it now is that even though some of the actors back then weren't well, really well known, oh my God, they're well known now. I oh, mean, yeah. you got John Lithgow and John Lithgow. Jason Robards is probably the biggest name guy, but Lithgow wasn't really well known, I guess, at the time. Not yet, uh, but and Steve, uh, Steve Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg wasn't really hadn't his career hadn't gone yet. And well, well, it's, well, it's gone again now. So you know. <laughs> and what's his name? Stephen First, fucking Flounder. Yes, Flounder. Fucking... Flounder is all over that film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and again, he's a college student, so he has such range, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is give the man a break. He doesn't get his big breakout role in Babylon Five until the what the two thousands, right, or nineties or whatever it was. But, so, anyways, uh, Stephen First is in it. Uh, you know, you're going to recognize lots of people who went on to do other stuff. You know, um, but their names are escaping me at the moment. I'm sure we could all whip open IMDb and figure out who played uh, Hollis, the bartender in in uh, Northern Exposure, who played the father of the one farm family. Yes, yes, you're right. Okay, that's that's where I recognized him from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. So you see these, you see a lot of different families. You don't get a, you don't get any kind of a bird's eye view of like what's happening in the White House or, you know, or this, the world. Nope, very yeah. little. You get, you get a sense that okay, something's going on because they, uh, they basically they've launched uh, one of the Air Force ones, the the, the SAC Air Command uh, plane that circles. Looking, looking glass. Looking Glass. They launch, Looking Glass is launched. The general's on. They're like, okay, this is what we got going on, blah, 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 blah. So apparently there's already some tensions going on somewhere else. They don't really give you any backstory to it. It's just kind of like shit's, shit's already tense. Yeah. You know, uh, it's where people are listening to sporadically here and there. And, and as the story progresses, it starts building up more and more. Like more people starting to hear things, more things on radio. Um, uh, I, I think I just got confused. It's like you know, basically it was a it was a NATO it was a NATO uh, ger uh, the Warsaw Pact going into Germany, right? That's that's the thing that always that I thought was really interesting about the the, the film is that uh, in the middle of it they said, and I want to talk about the other two causes of war and some of our other films we're going to talk about, but the cause of war is a Berlin crisis. It's some sort of you know uh, Warsaw Pact tensions around the city of Berlin. And three divisions uh, of Soviet tanks are like lined up along the Rhine, you know. Yeah, and suddenly it's an east-west conflict right in the Fulda Gap. And I remember somebody in the film saying, "Germany, we're not going to go to war for over Germany. What what's in Germany that we give a shit about? No, we're if we're going to have a war, it's going to be in the Middle East. It's going to be it's going to be Saudi Arabia. It's going to be oil. Oil, yeah, yeah. That uh, it was one of the girl students. She was like, "Oh yeah, no, I'm not worried about it." It's like now if it was uh, oil, yeah, we'd totally go for it. But the problem is, uh, West Germany is part of NATO, so it was a NATO pact issue. So once they invaded there, NATO got involved. We're part of NATO. We got involved. You know. Yeah. But I like the idea that people were blowing off the traditional, you know, the idea that like, oh, you know, whatever, Europe, you know, that's not our strategic interests anymore. Um, what we're worried about is whether the gas gets above a dollar a gallon, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it will be the end of the world if gas prices get to be two or three dollars. We can't let that happen. Yeah, I remember I remember paying a dollar one a gallon for super and let it for my uh my old Chevelle muscle car back in like 1988, you know, but, um, Oh yeah. The, the, the movie, uh, the shitty movie 
space balls, made a joke about, you know, the spaceship being out of gas. And John Candy says, I told you not to put more than $5 in the tank. Well, that joke shows its goddamn age. Because oh, my God, $5, yeah. No, $5 won't get you anything in your tank, you know. It'll get you to the next gas station. That's about yeah, it. Yeah, So anyway, so, there, so it's... it's uh, the war was uh, war was a was a NATO Warsaw Pact uh, you know issue, which started the whole the whole conflict. Now uh, you have a, you know you have a, a sampling of characters. You have like you know the farm family with the daughter getting married. You have the doctor who works in the hospital at the university who you know has a daughter leaving you know leaving, and then you had some other various characters like John Lithgow's character is like some. Professor. professor, he's a professor at the university, and people, you know, and he apparently, he's he's the guy who knows everything, you know. Isn't he the guy who gets the last word in the movie? Because uh, the, the radio broadcast at the end over the credits? Maybe, yeah, I think so. Because there's just this, there's this static, and you hear something, go, oh, hello, can anyone hear us? Hello, yes. this is Lawrence. Yeah, so throughout the entire film, it's kind of, it was kind of like, Nuclear war for dummies, because through the entire film, they kept on putting out, oh, you know, radiation. You can't see radiation, but it's going through you like they kept on like the over an X-ray, an X-ray. They over-explained radiation and fallout and the conflict and the missiles. They totally like spoon-fed you everything. Uh, well, the, 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 what's funny to me is that they they did that uh, for a couple reasons. One, uh, the people who made it were interested. In, in making it into a PSA. Yeah. You know, and number two, I'm going to make this joke at the expense of uh, some of the fans of Ronnie Reagan. I, I get the feeling that uh, the director wanted to simplify it down to a level that even Ronald Reagan would understand. Yeah. You know? And that's what they tried to do. They So everything was kind of spoon-fed, all the, you know, oh, like EMP. What's... What's what's EMP? Well, EMP is an electro electromagnetic pulse. If they detonate a warhead, everything was like textbook. Like they were just reading out of like you know yeah. a government you know uh, um, manual, a, a government manual, like uh, from the uh, civil defense or something. You know, again, like yeah. a PSA. So and, and, and they did it, and they did it all with a lot. Yeah, you know, they threw a lot of basil exposition at us to explain things. Um, but you know, one of the things I wanted to point out, I would point out on that is that um, uh, the British film we're going to talk about later uh, is has a narrator. Has a narrator. It has more of a documentary because they keep like, yeah. inter interjecting. It's oops, excuse me. More of a documentary feel. Sorry, yeah. sorry, folks. You know, I'm burping up mutants, but. Um, God damn, <laughs> that, uh, I don't know. Um, don't, don't, don't do that. Please don't do that. So where where is the where is the uh, the Br British film threads plays out more like a documentary and a very dry TV story, whereas the day after you know plays off like a PSA and more and a just like a regular you know American television show. Like hey, this is this is you know all all in the nuclear family or whatever you know. <laughs> yeah, is this the episode where uh, there's a misunderstanding? I think so. It was. There was a misunderstanding between the U.S. and Russia. Yeah, I think that was the misunderstanding. You, know, you got your NATO in my Warsaw Pact. Ah, oh, you got your Warsaw Pact in my NATO. So, so I mean, everything was building over time, and they kept on showing, like, you know, different sects of, you know, people who didn't give a shit, students, you know. They even showed guys who were, like, were 
repair technicians in the silos, you know, like just kind of what they're doing on their day-to-day -day alert status. It all happened pretty quick. It all happened within a couple of days, you know, in the story. It was very fast. Yeah. Very fast, and, like, and, like and, two day, two days or something. There's almost and and during the day after, I want to emphasize this compared to threads. During the day after, there is no government attempt to prepare the population for what's coming. Nope. There's, there's no radio broadcast saying you nope. have to do an event. There's no TV shows. There's no public service announcements. There's no organization. There's no attempts to. And again, we'll say in light of the British stuff, there's no attempts to evacuate populations away from silos. Uh, the Americans are just going doodly doo 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 doo. It's an away game. This war is over there, just like all the other wars we've had since um, 1918. We're, it's never going to be over here. La la la. I'm going to go shopping and then. Well, no, 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 I think I think there was one message that they sent out, and we yeah. all know this message very well. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> You're on your own. Yeah, yeah. The, the announcement that there might be a problem is when everyone looks up and sees the fucking missiles arcing up. It's like, that's the first time the Americans get a clue that, eh. Something's some, happening. Yeah, I know. Is, <laughs> you, see the, you see the streaks in the sky, and it's like, oh, they're just testing, right? <laughs> what do you and, 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 But that's when, like, the air raid sirens go off, and that's when the, the broadcast happens. It's like... Fuckers, it's a little too late, okay? Yeah, Everybody's yeah. dead now, okay? The, the Americans get out, they get no wind-up from, from their government. They get no intervention to say... Well, well, yes and no. All right. It will, okay, but uh, were they trying to, were they also trying to send a message about Americans, okay, and America, because... There was news broadcasts about what was going on and the radios, and they were talking about it a lot. You know, and we didn't get to hear everything, but were they saying that, oh, we are so, like, it's never going to happen to us, that people weren't really paying attention, that we're better, it's never, it never can never happen to us. Were they trying to convey that kind of message, maybe, also? They, 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 they may have as well. I mean, certainly the film, I mean, compared to uh, Threads and The War Game, which I'd like to talk a little tiny bit about. Yeah. Um... Uh, there's no attempt to prepare the population at all by by the government. And part of the message in Threads in the war game, I believe, was they show these massive government efforts in the in the last three days before the strike, maybe three to four days, uh, to try and get the population ready, evacuate the population from targeted areas. Um, that that even though they do all those things, it doesn't seem to help. Oh yeah, it no. Seems but, to, but, it, it, it seems to be absolutely worthless. So that was their indictment of, of their indictment of uh, civil defense in those films was it's not going to do any good. No matter if you do everything on the checklist that the government handed you, yeah, it's still going to fail. The American in Threads, it's like, did 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 we have civil defense? I can't remember. Is there maybe we should get under our desks? I mean, they have no clue what to do. They have oh, you no, mean you mean the day after? Yeah, and the day after, there's yeah. just no. Uh, there's just no, uh, they don't know what to do, and so there's a, you know yeah there's panic and such, but there's no, there's no indictment of the civil defense system except to suggest that since Americans don't know anything about it, it doesn't matter if there's a civil defense system yeah. because they they take no steps uh, you know based on it. to to defend the civils you know so it, they yeah. def they definitely don't do anything like that so so it moves along the missiles launch. You know, and, like, the only thing that somebody really said is, like, well, the missiles launched, so either 
It's like, well, we got the missiles off, so either we're we don't know, and we'll never know if they say it's like either we're striking first or we got enough warning and we got them off before they hit us. So yeah. you know, it's it's coming, and there's and there's a point where SAC Air, you know, the Looking Glass SAC Command says. Yeah, you know they're checking. You know to see. You know, is this a test? No, it's not a test. It's not a uh, not a not a test. A um, drill. Drill. And they're like, um, you know, we have three hundred inbound ICBMs. It's not a number. That, that's too many zeros. I'm just gonna go 300. out. Three hundred. Oh, they have a lot more than that. But I guess they had to, I guess they had to spread the love. But so this starts to happen. You know. So again, the focal point is Kansas all, all City. All the military footage is actually taken from military training films. Yeah. A lot, which of, I really, a lot of stock, a lot of stock footage. Yeah, which I actually quite like. It's one of the few times I'm like, okay, if you're gonna show me some stock footage, oh shit, here are these guys in the chair force, you know, doing their, doing their drills, unlocking the code books, putting the key yeah. in the safe. Exactly. So, so they hit, they hit Kansas City once, twice. Well, first there's the EMP, and then, uh, and they hit it once, hit it twice. And eventually, you know, you get people saying, like, well, I saw two over Kansas City, I saw one south of here, and I saw a whole lot of them down, down range down south, and somebody speculates, oh, they must have hit every missile solid from here down to, you yeah. know, Missouri or whatever it is. So basically, a lot of the missiles were just, you know, were, were just hitting all the silos uh, down the road. And certainly, um, one of the things I would want to point out is, uh, that certainly suggests that the SOVs shot first, because they're hitting... They're attempting to hit missile silos before they yeah. launch. If we shot first, why the fuck would they bother targeting our missile silos? Because they're already empty. Yeah, they're gone. Um, yeah, I suppose they can be reloaded, but you really think there's going to be the national wherewithal to make that happen? It, t it takes a long time to, to reload no. a missile silo. So uh, one thing I wanted to point out is when the bombs start going off, you know, this film had a pretty good budget, so when they have the EMP go off and everybody's stuck in their car out in the highway, they actually could show you scenes of traffic just going off over the hill. Yeah. You know? Um, and the bombs are the bomb explosions were done by dropping liquid into into tanks. They use like an oil water colored mix to drop in and do the mushroom cloud. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where they drop this thing and it would this giant heavy weight of, of uh, I guess water would go down through the oil and create sort of a mushroom flat. So the effects are relatively good, but I want to point out something about the, the bomb blowing shit up. Because, uh, again, compared to, to threads. There's that one moment where the bomb goes off and everybody gets this zap effect. Like, yeah. You know, like they're they're, they glow and you can see their skeleton <laughs> for a second. You know, all I could think of was the skeleton ray from George Powell's War of the Worlds. You know, the 1951? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, everyone gets that zap thing, and I was like, oh, they're zapped. And I'm, there's no zappy effect in threads. When we get to that. Yeah. Well, they're trying to show everybody, they're, they're trying to show everybody's getting disintegrated. Well, let me yeah. backtrack also a little bit to about the EMP, was they did the EMP, all the cars died, and people, the thing is, it shows people are continuing to try to start their cars, which is inaccurate, because you know what? The electrical system's fried. There, because you hear people like click, 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 click. My car won't start. No, your car, you know, your car's not going to do that because your wiring is fried. Because the click, click, click is the battery. You know, uh, you is know, that the solenoid? Yeah, 
yeah. nothing's going to work. The battery's not, you know, the wiring's, you know, the battery's fine. It's just the wiring, you know, well, at least I think the battery's fine. The wiring system has been overloaded. So there's no power to the starter to start it. So that was a little inaccurate, you know. Yeah. And if I'm wrong, somebody tell me and I'll, I'll be okay with it. And, we'll, and we'll, delete, we'll delete your comment. That's yeah. what we'll do. <laughs> That's what we do. Well, but no, I mean, if there's no, I mean, if there's no power generated through those wiring, yeah, you're not going to get anything. It's like basically having a dead battery because when your battery is completely dead, you get nothing. Yeah, nothing so should be moving inside the car. So Plus, little, te little, little, little tactical inaccuracy there, but um, yeah. and and the whole zap effect. Wow, they had the zap because they were trying to show that within a small range, everything would be kind of disintegrated because it's like, you know. Four billion degrees, like when it, like within a very small range, and eight thousand degrees two miles out. So they're trying to show how everything just kind of disintegrates. But they're having a guy running down the highway. He was, he was not, you know, a mile away from this de de detonation. He had to be, what, ten miles from it. He was well, they, far. It, they made the explosion look like it was over the horizon, but you oh know, yeah, well, was, well, the, it, but I think. It, I think that was just an error of, uh, of of perspective, you know. But I know what you mean, where they they blow up the fiance. In fact, I think it's the girl's fiance who gets yep. uh, spot spot roasted into the asphalt. He was so um, far. He was so far away from that. And I'm like, no, he's not going to disintegrate. Disintegration is only going to happen in a very confined area. But scorching, bursting into flames, melting. Oh, sure, that happens several miles, many miles some out. Of that, I, some of that, I think they, and like I said, at the end, what do they say at the end of of uh, the day after? This has been toned down. Yeah. There's that crawl that goes by and says, oh, by the way, did you think this sucked? Yeah, it's probably a lot worse. And I get the feeling in some ways that, you know, the, the people doing the day after eh, slightly pulled their punches. Yeah. So basically, like I said, it, it happens. Everything's disorganized. Everything is just falling apart. People don't know what to do. It's it's. What's weird about it is all. I mean, yes, people are going to go into shock uh, from the events that that have taken place. But it seems like every almost ninety nine point nine percent of the people are in shock because nobody talks. Everybody's a mute. Everybody shuffles around. Nobody has any idea what to do. Nobody's even, nobody's even asking, you know, what yeah. should I do? You know, if they're in shock and they're desperately seeking some direction. Nobody's doing that. Yeah, so, I mean, and then it focuses basically on this one family and uh, the doctor in the hospital is basically, yeah. you know, how they're being overwhelmed and all the patients and the logistics and, you know, everybody's just running off the chickens and eventually you see, you know, people are, leaving towns and you start getting more information people are looking for other people nobody has anything people are just wrapped in blankets nobody 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 takes backpacks nobody you know nobody does any give us I mean again you're gonna get a lot of that because yes you know we haven't experienced a nuclear war ourselves so we don't really know how we're gonna react but but you're you're right the uh, one of the one of the set dressings everyone immediately has like their belongings wrapped in a blanket yeah. um, as opposed to even in a, I don't remember seeing like luggage or backpacks or anything. No, nothing. Yeah. It's like you know what you know. No matter how shocked I may be, I might still have the wherewithal to okay. You know what? I got backpacks and satchels and things I could put stuff into carry. Make it 
make it easier for me to haul this shit around. I'm not just going to put it in a fucking plastic grocery bag, okay? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it was like the, well, you know, I'm, in some ways it was like they went, okay, uh, the, the set dresser or the, the costume guy said, all right, uh, everything that anyone can have has to come from a garbage heap. You know? Yeah. Like, especially the, yeah, the, 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 the extensive use of garbage bags in that movie. Um, which, you know, uh, I mean, I, I get what they're trying to communicate, and uh, but um, in some ways, uh, it was, it, 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 you know, I'm not saying it was, it was, it was sort of like they could, in a lot of ways, it felt like they condensed what we saw in threads. Yeah, because they did over a short, very short period of time. Everything, like, completely collapsed in such a short period of time. Eventually, you started to see a, a couple of deuces, you know, deuces and quarters here and there from the National Guard or something. You heard some kind of radio broadcast, you know, because people were able to cobble some stuff together to... Transmit well, and, with and CVs. I would, like, I would like to point out that the president's radio broadcast, he didn't sound like he'd missed any meals from Mount Weather or wherever, yeah, exactly. wherever he's broadcasting from. It was just, uh, it was this, it was this marvelously empty message filled with boring platitudes. We're going to re, we're going to rebuild America. You know, it's you and you, know, what tax base since you, you've all of our tax base has been turned into air pollution, you know, <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, what are the? Let me ask this question: uh, What were the most effective standalone moments for you in the day after? Where you went, oh, it really, it really communicated a sense of dread and horror, and you know, uh, doom or, or fear. You know, when, when did it? What were the things that that worked for you in well, that part? Well, I'm gonna have to say uh, uh, one of the things. Well. I mean the ho the hospital scene, the, everything with the hospital and how they started showing like the giant, like they're like if if you're not seriously injured, you have to work if you're staying here. So you know a lot of people with the bodies and the giant pits and just burying everybody. You know the yeah. impact of how, you know the extent of the dead. But uh, also because a lot of it seems like it's like apparently everybody's like, like everything was a shanty town. Nobody sheltered in buildings anywhere. It was, it seemed a little. You're going to get some of that, but I think some people are going to try to build in, in areas. But I think one of the most shocking things, not shocking, but the things that really drove it home was at the very, all right, spo total spoiler alert here, of the very end, towards the very end, where the one family kind of has their shit together a little bit. You know, uh, the guy like comes home on, a, on his horse. He had a horse survive, and there's these people just sitting on his farm, Again, they're all mute. Everybody's a fucking mute. But they have enough sense to start a fire, cook the dead animals. They're just kind of standing there. And he's like, listen, you, he's like, you can't be here. You have to go. And he walks over with a shotgun, not noticing the very large fellow who just disappeared from the scene, you know, which was kind of dumb. It's like, I think I would have noticed, hey, where'd Bubba go? Okay, this very big, big guy just disappeared. And he just walks up right next to him and blows him in half with a fucking sawed off, you know? Yeah. And then yeah. just goes back to what he's doing. And, and and nobody nobody none of the none of the refugees on the land blink. Oh yeah. They're just they like don't, they don't even blink murdering this guy. You know. Yeah. And and there's this implication that they're eating the dead animals on the farm, that they're essentially committing suicide. Yeah, because yeah. they, they died from radiation. Yeah, they're all eating radioactive meat. Uh, the only thing they've managed to do is kill the one guy who hasn't eaten radioactive meat. You know, 
that's who might, their be able, who might be able to help you. Yeah, uh, or at least might even be able to survive if you left them alone. Nope, they they managed to kill him. Yeah. All right. Uh, the thing the thing that got me was that scene where the daughter at the Dahlberg farm. It's there's there's two things at the Dahlberg farm. One is when the missiles are up, and Mrs. Dahlberg is oh, still yeah. going around the house, straightening the corners on the bed, and the husband's like, okay, let's get in the basement. And she's like, uh-huh, I'll be down in a minute, whatever, I've got so many things to do before our daughter gets married, and it's just you just realize, boom, she's fucking flipped out. She has completely lost it, and her way to deal with the end of the world is to just ignore it. Yeah. And that was... And when they when he finally grabs her and she just starts screaming oh, yeah. horribly, that was kind of that was really brutally effective. And then later, when well, that, they're that, down, that, that, that was a definitely it's gone McCready moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's there's no coming back from this, and and she's you know uh, that moment when you realize that she's just disconnected from the, the situation. It's like whoops. Um, the other one that gets me. Well, really got even, me. Even, even the father said later, it's like, okay, to the kids, things are going to be different now. You know, we're not going to be, you know, things are not going to be like they were. Like, he had some grasp of what was going on. Yeah, well, I don't think he needs to kill, tell the kid whose eyeballs melted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he knows it's going to be different. Um, but one of the things that got me, that really got me, was that thing where they're down in the basement shelter. And the daughter freaks out and starts turning the lights on and using up all the batteries because she's she the dark's finally freaking her out, and she runs out of the basement. Oh yeah, uh, into the yard, and as she's running around, every she's leaving these little puffs of dust everywhere she goes, and I'm just like, yep, that's the population of Kansas City you're running through, lady. Uh, you really probably shouldn't be stirring that up, and she's like. Runs by some branches, and then the all the branches have dust on it, and they oh, go yeah. poof into the air. And Gutenberg's trying to chase her down and get her, and the, all the dust gets on him as he runs through it. And watching him just run around the fallout, where she's like, "It's a beautiful day. Look, the sun is out," and she keeps doing this face where she does this this horrible rictus smile with her eyeballs bugging out, where she's like, <laughs> and "I'm just like, oh my god, Steve, go back in the basement, tell Mom, Pa, Kettle." You couldn't find her, okay? Because she's just, there's just, as far as the eye can see, there's dead, <laughs> there's dead cows, dead birds, ash all over everything, and she's completely bugged out, and he is desperately trying to get her to come inside. And at that point, I'm like, he's had to tackle her, and they're rolling around in the talcum powder oh, yeah. that, you, that used to be the population of downtown Kansas City. And it's just like, oh... Oh God, no! Just it's too late. You fucked up. It's <laughs> yeah. Well, they, and they definitely uh, show a lot of like how apparently everybody like, well, except for some people, but they're really trying to show the effects of look of the radiation sickness and how people start losing it and everybody's gotten sores and their hairs a lot. They really do a lot of that, a lot of makeup in this yeah. show. Yeah, Steve Boot, Steve Gutenberg, and um, uh, what's his name and uh, uh, Jason Robards are not looking particularly here suit. By the end of the the end of the program, they're looking a little, a little, a little, uh, you know, Telly Savalas. Well, no, Jay, Jason Robar is looking kind of like uh, how John Cusack did in Fat Man, a little boy, when he got exposed to all that radiation. Oh, uh, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because that's the kind of exposure he, uh, that he had. 
And so, I mean, yeah, so you get a lot of that. And then, I thought, again, the whole disorganization, like I said, you occasionally saw the government started, you saw one truck come and start to give food. And that, I think that's the only thing I remember seeing that was even remotely yeah. like that the there's, some, you know, there's anything left upstairs. That yeah. and a radio broadcast. Apart radio from broadcast. That, and you had the local guys, you know, like the three guys on the panel trying to talk about how, uh, well, this is what we need to do, and <laughs> you need to plow deep, and you need to get rid of the topsoil. And he's like, "Where well, are you reading that from, Emmanuel?" It's like, "Well, yeah, that's what we get." And he's like, "What are we, what are we gonna do with what are we gonna do with 150 acres of radioactive topsoil?" Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, stack it up someplace so that when the winds come, it'll blow it all back into your field. That's a good idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you gotta get rid of the topsoil, which I've I've read in many I've read in manuals, but it's like, you know, when you have a giant farm. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's just not going to work. So yeah, the uh, the interesting thing about that is that the Americans, again, the Americans feel look completely unprepared, and there is nothing like a government there. Everybody is completely on their own after the bomb. And what's interesting is again the maybe because all the government is gone, but um, the, the it's the exact opposite in threads in the war game where the government is there, and it's just not doing any good. It's ineffective. So let's uh. Move off from uh, the day after, and we'll move on to the English answer to that, Threads. I, I want to say a couple of words about the movie The War Game. Uh, the War Game precedes uh, Threads by 20 years. It was made in 1965 by a guy named Peter Watkins, and it's only like uh, 48 minutes long, and it's done like a documentary-style uh, thing. And their World War III happens when the Chinese invade South Vietnam to support the Viet Cong. Sort of a Korean War to electric boogaloo, and we use nukes to stop them from uh, taking over South Vietnam, and that triggers a, uh, a Berlin crisis, and then a conflict in, in Western Europe with NATO, and then blammo, you got something that looks a lot like what would happen during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, I want to point out that they they mentioned something like 68 targets in Britain that would be taking a one megaton hit each, which is about a quarter of the damage that is predicted in threads. You know? Are you are you hearing me still speaking? Yes. So. All right, sorry. Uh, that, 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 that is also uh, I, I actually have that also favorited on the YouTube channel. So if anybody yeah. wants to find that, just go to the podcast uh, uh, channel, go to uh, favorites, and it's a, that's the war games there as well. So, so the things I want to point about the war games is that during that that movie, you see the British <laughs> evacuating millions of people from high density areas in the in the country. Uh, you see them going door to door to hand out manuals. You see them going door to door with Bobby saying, all right, you're going to house these people. And the British citizens going, no, there aren't any black people in there, are there? We, we won't have any blacks in here. And they're being forced to house people that they don't want to in, in, in less, you know, less targeted areas like Wales and Scotland. And, and um, uh, it shows food riots, the murder of uh, British police officers trying to police the country. Uh, and one of the last things you see in the film is uh, firing squads where British uh, constables are being uh, li are lining up to execute people 
who have rioted and looted uh, uh, food storage areas. Um, yeah. But but the thing about the war game is that it, it really has a lot of the elements that you're going to see later in Threads. It's got a narrator. It's got interjections of sort of other information into the story. Um, there isn't a there isn't a consistent family that they follow like they do in Threads. But uh, <clears throat> the war game was actually banned. Uh, it was not officially banned, but the BBC showed it to the Home Office and showed it to the Prime Minister's Office before they broadcast it, and then suddenly it disappeared. It wasn't going to be broadcast on television. It ended up in, in movie theaters, I think, which was a tough sell because it's not a full movie. It's only 48 you know, minutes long, but it got some. It, it really never showed up on television until I think either after Threads or, or just barely before. Yeah, I, I don't recall that. But uh, with uh, Threads now, well, the Threads is kind of like dry British uh, drama TV show with interjections of uh, of documentary in between. So it's not like it's like a full-on documentary. It's like it's like you're watching a show, then boom, all of a sudden they'll, they'll come in with facts and figures and talk about things. Then back to what they're back to the TV show and then interject with, with the documentary things. Now, and, and, and mind you, you say dry, <clears throat> you know. What is kind of dry? It is as dry as a guy wandering around uh, Auschwitz with, with a 16 millimeter camera, just you know, yeah, it's very, all very. horrifying. Everything that's in front of the camera is horrifying. But unlike the day after, there's no soundtrack. Nope. Well, also, also something else. Uh, to, again, I always like to throw this in because you don't see these in these films. Now, the day after, we didn't really see a whole lot of this, but I figured you would have seen a whole lot more of this. Is We have a oh hold on a second oh hold on well hold on hold on what the is, is, is that is that the YouTube channel playing in the background hold on hold on hold on what hold on a second it's Ghost Scott and um uh it should okay it got louder for a second yeah I'm sorry it was playing in the background like uh one of the channel right, anyway so <clears throat> the thing you see about uh, uh, the day after is America is an armed population. Okay? They never really seem to take that kind of stuff into account. Because you know what? I think you'd see, I mean, you'd see a couple people here and there, but I think I really think there'd be a lot more people with a lot more guns killing a lot more people. Yeah, yeah. I think over, if, over the scraps. Over the scraps. I think Over the shelter. I, th I think that is a reality that really would happen because Guns are so accessible. It's like you know what? Everything went to shit. I bet you I could just start rummaging through my neighbor's houses in my neighborhood. I guarantee I'm going to find a whole lot, a whole lot of guns. Okay, you know maybe not arm loads, but I'll find guns. You know they're easily accessible here. You, you're going to find you're going to find them. So they don't really have to really show that, and it does not come into effect in Britain because again it's not an armed population. So the story is kind of different because you don't really have that because the people only really have guns. You know, except for rural people who are hunters in the military and the police. That's it. So it kind of has a different landscape. Whereas you know, in America, it's going to be it's going to be the Wild West. I think all over again. Well, you know? and I want to throw out in the movie the war game. One of the things that they show is uh, some trucks carrying weapons being uh, you know grabbed by rioters who are starving. And you know, at first they're shooting tear gas and and clubbing down the uh, people who want their food, and then you know suddenly. These armed insurrectionists, or whatever, as they're characterized in the 
anti-authoritarian forces uh, grab a bunch of British military rifles and they're running them up, gunning down constables and shooting soldiers and the whole nine yards. And oh, one other thing that I gotta throw out. That's, well, that's, that's in get, the get, war... get that out, and then we're not talking about the war game anymore right. because mm -hmm. we're not because we weren't going to cover that, and we don't have a lot of time left, right. and we got to right. talk about threats. Uh, the one thing I want to throw out that was that they do not have in threats, which struck me because they have everything else in threats. Is there's a bit in the war game where they hand out revolvers so that they can shoot the dying patients who cannot be who cannot be cared for, where they're they're just going around doing these mass executions of of the wounded, um, which results in people refusing to obey the orders and then getting shot by their you know commanding officers and horrible shit like that. But that's the, maybe the one thing that was left out of the frickin' threads. But we, the threads had everything else. Uh, threads centers on uh, Sheffield, England. Uh, you know, long buildup of the conflict. Like it's the, the, the conflicts. They start talking about the conflict like in March. March fifth is where they start. There's a little bit of a buildup of a conflict going on, and then it jumps to three months. They do a lot of time jumping in this. Like they'll jump ahead. Uh, you know. Three months, and then uh, then they start doing like day one, day two, day eleven, then five years. But it starts off the conflict starting. It jumps ahead two months to May, and over those two months, the conflicts have started to build. It's getting worse, and that's when they start doing like we were talking about earlier. Britain starts preparing its population. You know, they start you know pamphlets. They start showing people on TV what to do and they also start their infrastructure that they have for in case of some uh, you know disaster they have like the war book they called it like you know they uh, it's sort of like it's sort of like a british version of fema yeah. where everybody starts taking on these or, or assign these emergency roles you know, yeah and they start breaking it up to where there is you know each section each city has their own little they're given the authority to govern the local area so they start preparing them. Hey, they get a phone call. All right, start preparing your team. Get the people in there. Start setting up your war room. This is where you're going to need to control everything from. So they're, again, like you said, they are prepared for this. They are preparing for this. They're trying to get infrastructure in place. They're like, okay, well, how much food supplies do we have here? Okay, let's kind of isolate that. Okay, start using, uh, you know, the gas, you know, start saving the gas. Okay, only, you know, non-essential things are gone. So they're, like, building up on this, trying to prepare and stockpile and get everything ready before it happens. So they yeah. are they are, they do have some kind of preparation, but as you know, as we go through it, it see it see it just doesn't doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, their their you know their preparation is tossing bricks into the Grand Canyon. And the scale of a problem is so huge that their preparation doesn't doesn't amount to much. Yeah, so as they're going through this, you know, the documentary stuff interjects with, you know, they start talking about how many, you know, as how many missiles were launched, how many times Britain's hit, and it, it, it focused, there was a couple of families, like, there's like, uh, well, there's two main families. There's two main families that they follow, the, 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 the families of, the, of the, the boy and girl who are engaged to be married. And because she got pregnant, so, yeah. and also that comes into play later on. And uh, it follows them and, and how everything just kind of deteriorates with that. And so, you also follow the people in the command center for a while. Yeah, long, you follow the command center as well. Those are the three main focuses of, of what's being followed. The bombs hit. Um, it's a nice Iranian crisis. It, yeah. it is, yes. The, 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 as, as I'm watching their World War III where the Soviets invade Iran because Iran is supporting the Mujahideen 
in, in Afghanistan. They're trying to squash Islamic fundamentalism. Uh, suddenly, we're, you know, we're in there too, the rapid deployment force, um, and it starts scaling up. It's not two hours to doomsday, it's, it's a week to doomsday. Oh, well, they said, like, uh, the United States got involved and set an agenda date. Okay, here's your deadline. If something doesn't happen, then we're going to do X. Deadline makes it. They send a, a fleet of BOV, B-52 bombers there, non-nuclear weapons, and start attacking the Soviet base. They launch nuclear-tipped anti-aircraft. We lose a lot of bombers. And we, we respond by dropping a field tactical nuke on their, um, on their base, and everything stops temporarily. And I, and I thought that was really interesting that it didn't just immediately just continue to spiral up. We have this expectation that if we stop, you know, it can, it's, it's going to continue. House of Cards. Just well, well, yeah. Then it'll, it'll it'll all be incredibly. It'll be like dominoes. That yeah. if once you fire that first nuclear weapon, it is uh, it is minutes before the last one's out of its silo. But it's days because they sit down and they talk about it. And it looks like they're maybe going to get out of this, and then no. No, but just that's when they did, after that they just said, okay, you know what, fuck y'all, and they just start launching, you know. But yeah, it, but for a little while there, they give this weird little hope, like that, like everyone's gonna talk their way out of this. We're not really gonna do this, and then we're not gonna commit, you know, global suicide. No, nope. But while they're doing it, everybody's still preparing, and that's when all the stuff with the, with the command base and the people are trying to prepare themselves for what's going on. So then the missiles come uh, again over Sheffield. You know, there's uh, you know, they they they, uh, they do they, hit they, Sheffield. Sheffield takes a hit, and the RAF because because, because there's a base near there. There's a base yeah. that takes so it takes a hit, and they do do a tat they do do a tactical like a, a, a nuke for EMP, you know, somewhere over the channel. So it hits part of France, part of England, and uh, they actually show out to the EMP when they try to start the cars. Nothing happens, so which which I yeah. found an interesting difference. So the nukes come. You know, and they, uh, I think they, they hit them like more like, like the first round, I think they were only hit by like 80, 80, megatons. 80 megatons, but then they throw more later and it winds up being a total of like 210. They just keep on throwing more at them. But it's, that's when everything starts, you know, it, it, you know, it gets the bomb hits, destruction, stock footage, but they, they show a lot of fucking just horrible shit. Horrible shit. Not and it's not, all very it's all very close up. You don't see whole you know cities disappearing under a mushroom cloud. You see like a bedroom exploding around some people. Yeah. You know you see people on fire in the rubble. Uh, one on one. You don't see like huge crowds of people being affected. It's yeah, all claustrophobic. There's no there's no zap effect. No zap. Uh, there's some motherfuckers on fire. Oh, there's there's, giant, there's, there's, there's a lot of people on fire. There's this one. There's this one scene which I forgot about. You see a lot of shit on fire after they drop the first bomb. It comes. It pans by a building and there's a tree on fire, and in the tree there's a guy on his bicycle in the tree on fire. <laughs> yeah, that was particularly fucking horrible. Uh, the the ones that got me, the things that got me was like. When the balloon goes up and everyone's running around, that woman who just looks up at the sky and, and pisses herself. I think that was the most. That was, again, without having the big a budget and they had to make an impact of what was going on. I think that was very. It's this. It's this middle-aged woman who everything start. Everything starts going down. And people are trying to get into shelters, and she's just standing there, uh, holding her face, looking at the mushroom cloud come up, 
and it just pans down to her leg, and it's the water's flowing. She just she just she just pisses yeah. herself because she's so terrified. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Welcome to the club. <laughs> Welcome yeah. to the club. Oh. Um, the uh, the other thing I was going to throw out was that oh I thought was particularly interesting in the way uh, uh, and creeped me out was uh, the cat with the broken back or whatever flopping yeah. around in the burning rubble. Yeah. Oh, uh, were they? I don't know how they. I mean, I'm presuming they didn't murder a cat to do this scene, but they like tied the cat's legs up in a way so it's all. And I just like. Uh, this animal dying in the rubble is just like oh. oh. they showed you a lot of like dogs and cats and people like when the when the when the daughter eventually, after like a couple of days and the grandmother dies, she starts wandering around because she's like three months pre like she's like over two months pregnant at this point, and she's just wandering around and you're just seeing just charred bodies everywhere. Yeah, they and, do they, they do a lot of people burning like candle wax where the body yeah. fat has been. You know, uh, is up to a temperature where they're just burning like tallow, and uh, you just don't got you just didn't get that in the day after. You just oh didn't. no! And there was there was this one thing I noticed right afterwards. There's like the fires were burning. Um, that was another thing too. No fire, like all like uh, emergency services, like fire engines, they sent out of the city to come, to later fight fires later, and they decided they can't do anything, which they would not be able to do anything. Yeah. Um, you see, you see all the fires burning, and there's a lot of wind afterwards too. Still, for some reason, is after the blast. There's this one scene where the wind. Oh, the wind is a firestorm. That's the air oh, being the, sucked into the into the fire. Firestorm. Which they which they explained in the war game that the the, the that the fire is actually pulling all the air almost almost hurricane force winds into the fire to feed it. Yeah, they don't they don't explain that at all. But you see some rubble. And uh, uh, there's like part of you can see this part of the body, and you just see blood just kind of being blown out of the out of the rocks. Just this blood just splattering out. Uh, the other one that I would think to point out is the compare and contrast is the hospital scene in Threads compared to the hospital scene in the day after. Yeah, there's 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 more people, and it's a bigger scene in the in the day after, but. In the hospital, in 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 threads, yeah, they're sawing limbs off, and there's blood running down the stairs yep. in the hospital that's just pouring out of the wards. There's just rivers of blood that people are stepping on and walking. Things through. are dropped. People are screaming and yelling, and they're just cutting people's limbs off, and people are just wandering everywhere. It is just, you know, and that's when again documentary starts kicking in. It's like, well, without the without without electricity and out the power and the medicines. There, you're not going to get any more comfort from a doctor than your fellow survivors, and I don't think that's yeah. a true. I don't think that's totally true. I think a doctor would still be able to try to do something, you know. Yeah. Well, they're not going to be able to. You know, they're not. They're not going to. They're, they're going to be able to settle them. They're going to be able to stitch a artery closed. And there's that scene where they're pulling glass out of people's faces. Yeah. Pulling everybody's glass. got. Everybody's got these facial scars and threads because everybody caught a window. From the concussion. Oh, like the one family's uh, mother, she was standing right outside. The window blew in, and the fire came in, and she was just Third fucked degree. up. Third fucked degree up. burns. Everywhere. Yeah. And they're, like, sitting under a couple of doors with some matters and shit. They're kind of hiding under there. And she's just like, eh. I was like, oh, she's gone. gone. She's, she's screaming and throwing up into her burns. Oh, yeah. As they, yeah, they're just they're stuck back there behind that. Worthless shelf are vomiting on themselves, vomiting in their little crawl space, and it's just nightmarish. It's oh, I, I, now, I, 
I'm willing to say I am willing to say that Threads is so uh, is is disturbing on the level of like a genuine horror movie. Yeah, and they re they really try to show you. You know, they don't pull it punches. Like, you know what? This shit's bad. This is what you're gonna see. Yeah. Now, one thing. I'm a very bad I'm a very bad person for this, but when I first saw this back in in 19 yeah, thank you. Back in <laughs> 1985, when they go to look out, they go to look for their son who was hiding in the bird cage. They come crawling out of the rubble and they find their son, but all you see is like his little legs kind of sticking straight up out of the rubble. Yeah. And the the 15 16-year-old me thought that was funny. Like <laughs> Because it wasn't like a burn victim. He was crunching. He was just like, oh, look at my legs sticking up. That was it. It, it, it looked a little bit like the Wicked Witch of the West sticking yes. up from underneath Dorothy's it, house. That was, that was poorly done. It's like it yeah. would have been more impactful. If they would, But they showed things were like, you know, rubble and bloody hands. And, I mean, they really did a horrific job of showing the horror. I mean, they really yeah. did it up. So all this bad shit happens. You know the continuity of government is not really there. Like they're like the the the. It's more there. It's more there than it is. Oh yeah. In, well, they're in trying. The day after. But the the the, the guys at the, at the command headquarters are are buried in under rubble in the basement of the city hall. They keep on talking about, or how are you gonna you gonna get us out of here? When are you gonna get us dug out of here? Because they get some kind of communication with some local police departments, and they're trying to control things from there without you know while they're underground and. You know, the movie the movie starts showing, you know, day one, day two, day four, a week, 11 days after, two weeks after, a month. They start progressing. But, like, up to, like, two weeks later, they're, like, warehouses. The military is basically in, in charge, or, or the, police are in, the police are in charge, because they got all the gear, they got the oh, food, they got the weapons. I, I have to show the one picture from Threads that uh, always uh, sort of sums up the um, sort of, you know, What's the continuity of government look like in Threads? And let's see if I hit screen share. Oh, no, maybe it's not working. But there's this, there's a, a cover from a British news magazine uh, that shows... Yeah, well, no, it's not even a Bobby. It's, it's a fucking traffic warden, which means it's a meter maid, and he's got this bandaged head because he's horribly mutilated from getting, again, catching a faceload of glass. And he's got, you know, a fucking Lee Enfield battle rifle and now has the authority to shoot to kill. That that's who's now that that is who's now uh, dealing out lethal force for Her Majesty's government is meter maids, armed meter maids. That's where we're at, ladies and gentlemen. That's how fucked it is. Last week you were writing tickets for double being double parked. Now you're shooting looters. Yeah, exactly. So, so they 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 just show the horrors and everything, and you know, uh, you know, they start talking about getting to the point where they're rationing food, how many calories for people could work, how many calories for people don't work, and like you said, Jane had said, uh, Britain gets very dusty, you know, dirty, 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 and dirty, and dark. I mean, part of it's England's darker than Kansas, but there's this sort of feeling like the whole country is under a cloud. Well, that's what they, they said, because 500, 500 million tons of dust went up into the stratosphere and is blocking out the sun. So, yeah. it got and, dark. And, and remember, in Threads, of that shit where they hold the food supplies for two weeks to yep. make sure that everyone who's been lethally dosed doesn't get a mouthful of food. Yep. 
so that anyone who's going to die from radiation gets the dying done with so they don't eat any food that the other people might be able to use. Oh, yeah, because yeah. they're, they're even talking about it's like, we, we shouldn't even, we should, they're like, we shouldn't even be feeding those people because they're going to die anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're very, they're very, very cold and calculating with their methods, but they're trying to think the long term for survival, you know, of, of the people. So they put people to work. They start, you know, getting the crops pulled, you know, and they talk about how this is the, probably the, the, the last year they'll, they'll ever be uh, gas driven uh, uh, tractors. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they they, they, they they get into all of the minutiae of that, you know, with the food and the first winter comes and, you know. Oh, yeah, and the, the first winter just wipes out everyone who's been, you know, sick or sick, malnourished. Old, or, the yeah. old, the young, and it really thins out. And they talk about how, you know, how much of the population. So they really get, again, it's very, it starts to get a little more documentary-ish. You know, the one, the one, the one woman who is pregnant has her child. And they talk about how, you know, high oh, and, and And she has it by herself. And what she do about the umbilical cord, Jared? Cuts it with her teeth. Oh, my God. She has to chew through her umbilical cord. Oh, my God. Well, man, that's, yeah. also, that's also another thing that they, Threads did as well, is everybody's carrying around whatever stuff they have in plastic bags or <laughs> wrapped in blankets. It's like, dude, I, I know you're a little bit shell-shocked, but you're going to get over it. Get a backpack, get a sack, get a suitcase. Yeah. Something a little more efficient, I would think. You know, I just, I, I can't see, you know, you know, a, a year into this, I'm still carrying on whatever I have in a plastic bag. It's just yeah, not, I, I remember there's a scene where some refugees are leaving Sheffield and going out to the countryside. and Bicycles I, and... I remember some bicycles. I remember some, like, you know, maybe some little red wagons or a wheelbarrow or something, but... Um, still a lot of plastic bags. Yeah, a lot of, yeah, a lot of it down to that, you know. Um, and I, and I, uh, I apparently, uh, I, I guess, again, the Soviets must have targeted all the luggage stores. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, that, that's the key. That's the key to winning this war. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, take that, Gucci. Uh, but anyways. Elim take that, the, Samsonite. Eliminate the population's ability to carry their stuff around, and you've won the war. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, so they, they get into all that, you know, and... They follow the character. She has her baby, and they say that you know early doses of radiation exposure can cause you know deformity and retardation in uh, in, in unborn children. So they make a point of saying that, and it seems like maybe her child was because they after the child is born and they show a little bit of their struggling, it jumps ahead like ten years. Yeah. Um, and yeah. they you know and they jump ahead to show like because they talk about how you know it, uh, England got medieval. With their agriculture, and I mean, there's still people. Or I mean, they're like hanging people for looting. They're shooting people for looting. They're re, they're re uh, distributing the population to you know intact houses. Yeah. The, the the guys the guys who go in the basement apparently murder her mom and dad who weren't doing too terrible uh, yeah. since they since they weren't covered with you know burns and weren't filled with radioactive shrapnel. You know, they get murdered by some looters. Those guys don't even get out of the house before some guys, some soldiers show up, shoot their asses, and then take the food they stole, which I oh, thought yeah. was a nice touch. They're like, oh, oh, bonus, cans of food, you know? Well, they're not just going to leave it there. So no, no, that's ridiculous. So, I mean, so, so, so they continue through that, through, you know, what's going on. And somebody did make a point, uh, I've read somewhere this, they said that within a generation... Uh, the, you know, everything, you know, England becomes medieval, and it kind of would, 
it's gonna because you're gonna go you're gonna go far far back if you don't have electricity, power, transportation, and how language disappears almost, which I think is a valid point. Okay, the one girl they've implied may have had some kind of mental disorder, but so the she other can't talk. Yeah, yes, yeah, but the other young kids. I'm sorry. Just because you don't have any schools or written language doesn't mean they can't talk. Because how many, you know, uh, you know, remote villages and you know, whether it's you know, you know, Africa or Australia, the places where they have you know, quote unquote primitives, they don't have schools, they don't have written language, but people could fucking talk because it's just they learn from other people. You learn just from hearing it, and people could talk, you know. Well, you're right. They they have this sort of the kids they have this sort of Pigeon English that they're using, and and I guess you know by the time Gisa, Gisa, it's like not even close, and it's like they can barely talk. And and I would I could get that if they were born completely before the problem, but the idea that these kids are sixteen, which means they were six or seven when this yeah. happened, and they're down to not able to say "gimme" or "give it to me" or you know, and I'm like, you're you're they're they're a little quick on the draw with that. A little, yeah. In my humble opinion, I mean, I understood with the girl who's who's retarded. Maybe they're also implying that these other kids are feral as well, but they they just didn't seem they didn't establish that they were also born after the the attack. Yeah, they were the result of. of but still, of but being around people, I think you would still pick up on language and at least have some kind of rudimentary. You might not be able to, you know, wax poetically, but you even, can have the basic communication Barney, skills. Even Barney. The the retarded guy from Survivors could talk. Remember yeah. Barney? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's retarded, but again, granted, he was around people all the time before the the disease came. Uh, so he'd been, you know, I guess acclimated or civilized or you know domesticated. But um, yeah, I that that kind of was weird. You know what else is a weird touch about that part when they're looting the farmhouse? There's a fucking helicopter flying overhead, yes. yelling at him with a loudspeaker. And this is and this is ten years later. And so I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And even in the hospital, at the end of the thing, uh, in the schoolroom, there's a there's, videotape. There's some power. Like, there's 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 lights on in the hospital. The hospital actually has lights. Well, they did allude to steam power. Coming around at like at like ten or thirteen yeah. years, they showed people they showed people mining, and they had like a steam tractor. So maybe they were able to like hook up some make up some kind of steam generators to you know generate power or something. I'll, so, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, you know. So there like is that. some sort of there is some sort of society. It's some sort of you know dictatorship, some sort of non-participatory you know military dictatorship. Oh yeah, because they're still shooting people. They're still hanging people for yeah. anything. Yeah, you know? for for yeah for for being a retarded kid on your own in the rubble, you know, um, uh, you know. So there's definitely that going on. There's definitely some sort of, you know, force at work in England. But you know, when you get to the last scene of the of threads, and we're two generations in, and you know, she gets pregnant and has that baby uh, in the hospital, and it's just this stillborn meat log at the end. You know, and your last scene is her sucking in a giant double lung full of air so she can scream and horror when they hand her her floppy dead mutant baby, you know, at the end. 
Um, the problem is not that there's some sort of that we're, that we're not farming. The problem is not that there isn't lights. The problem is not that there isn't some kind of order. The problem is is that we're we're all loaded up with so much radiation. We're 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 not we're not breeding. You know. Yes. That, and that, that, the, yeah, exactly. You know, the radiation or you know poor health. They talk about how you know typhoid, cholera. All these things are going to wipe people out. How it's all going to come back? There's no sanitation. There's no electricity. There's no water. Um, and one thing that did bother me about it, though, even ten years later, when they show uh, Ruth, who is the the woman who had the child, uh, yeah. I can't remember the child's name. Um, they're living in some kind of house on a farm. Apparently, nobody has any sense of organization. Well, yeah, yeah. Or it's, ten year, it's ten years later. Everything is still fucking. In shambles. It's like you know what this is. This is this is the shack I have to live in. Maybe I might get the rubble out of the in the interior, or oh, yeah, maybe it's, it's some piles, walls. I it's piles of broken bricks. Uh, it's it's just it's 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 timbers laying around. There's been no effort by anyone to police up anything. Yeah. Now, well, I, I mean, to police up a city is too overwhelming. You don't have the population, but areas yeah. at least where people are living in. Okay, this is my shack. Okay, you know what? Let me get some of the broken rubble out of here. Let me make it so where I can at least move around and hey, or, maybe I'll maybe I'll put some stuff up here to keep some of the tip the, some of the wind and cold out, you know. Perhaps we'll take some of those plastic bags we've been carrying around and put them over the holes in the walls. Because, yeah. You know, there, there's everything is stays as just as exploded as it was ten years earlier, even though that they've already in the part where they've moved way out into the countryside. Yeah. You know, there's been no effort whatsoever to 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 uh, that, 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 anything, at least, yeah. at least where you're living. Hey, even even medieval peasants living on the frickin' the Lord's land, at least had four walls and a roof over their head. You know yeah, that were they, that were that were enclosed. Yeah, they went and they got some thatch. They went and they got some mud and they made some mud bricks or they made stuff out of dried peat, like a sod, like the sod huts that we had in the American uh, plains. But it's like nobody's, everyone's still shuffling around in a state of shell shock ten years later, and there's been no. Mo movement to uh, to just go, well, there's a giant shard of glass through the bed. I'll just lie down around the shard and hope I don't accidentally kill myself, you know, yeah, myself, you know. There's nobody, nobody's gone, oh, I guess I better pull that out of here and throw it outside. No, nothing like that has happened ten years later. Yeah, so that's a bit unrealistic. But overall, it's a very good film. It definitely uh, shows you the whole, you know, they do a better job of showing the horrors of you know the actual destruction and what's going to happen to people, things like that. And again, it it's, seems like it's probably the best. It's yeah. probably the best out of any of them. And it, again, it seems like a larger extension for that uh, other film that I talked about, the uh, A Guide to Armageddon, which was done by the same exact guy. So it seems like a larger expansion of trying to show the effects of you know nuclear war and horror. And uh, just to add on to threads, then we're going to wrap it up here because we're Way, okay. past, way past an hour. Um, after Threads originally aired in America on, P on, w uh, on TBS in 1985, it was followed by a program called On the Eighth Day, where they do this in-depth study and look at uh, nuclear winter, the nuclear wi winter uh, uh, scenarios. Uh, Carl Sagan, other scientists, they do a lot of research, you know, volcanoes and stratospheres and computer models, uh, weather computer models back in you know the 80s, so it was, it was pretty interesting. Again, I put out a call to try to find that, and again, Bill from postapocalyptic.net 
tracked it down for me. Not that I didn't, I, I knew it existed out there, but it was never existed in a format that I could get my hands on. Like, I had found a website that showed a listing of university libraries, like six or seven in the country, that had them supposedly in their libraries. The closest one was 600 miles from me. There's no way I was ever <laughs> going to be able to, yeah, there's no way I was going to be able to, hey, do you have this in your library? So, uh, but I never found it, any, it anywhere. But apparently, when Bill uh, got, on, got on mission to find this, he's in Hawaii. And a university in Hawaii, near where he lives, had a copy, and he had a friend who worked at the university, checked it out for him. So he wound up uh, ripping it and uh, posting it onto YouTube, so I was able to watch this again. And it's also favorited on uh, the YouTube channel. It's called On the Eighth Day. I, I, um, I really enjoyed it. I liked it. I mean, he said it was a bit, you know, he would never watch it again. It's a documentary on nuclear winter. Unless you really like that kind of geeky, minutiae, scientific details of why things happen, you know, you might get one view out of it. But I, I liked it enough to where I was like, oh, I want to know why this happens and, you know, why is there a nuclear winter and what's going to happen? So it's out there, and that was the companion piece that came after Threads in America. Uh, hey, Jared, were there any – do you remember that they were like – they were like after they aired the day after, there were like these programs that came on afterwards – or other channels ran things that were like, you know, discussing the day after. I remember, I remember like panels, yeah, on news shows that, that that there was even debate whether or not children should be allowed to watch the day after. Yeah, I, 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 I believe so. I I I, I kind of recall that. I even remember people saying it's like, oh, I saw the day after when I was a kid and we watched it in school and I was traumatized by it. I'm like, it wasn't that horrific, dude. You know, thank yeah. God, thank God we didn't show them threads. That's yeah. you know because yeah. they thought they were they, they thought they were traumatized by the day after. Let's see all let's see all the burning bodies and the blood oh blowing in the wind, you know. Oh, and the rats. Don't forget that the mm. day after just has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fat, well-fed rats because, all scurrying through the rubble. Because they got a lot to eat. You yeah. know, they're they're not going hungry. Not for a while, not until they swell up with giant tumors <laughs> yeah. from, from the radiation. Oh, and that was the other thing in the day after where um, it happens and they're, they're in the, uh, the hospital and there's a doctor and the nurse and they see a cockroach crawling and he's like, that there, that's the ultimate survivor. That's what's going to survive a nuclear war. That whole cliche of how, you know, you know, cockroaches will survive anything. Again, the whole the whole thing was like that the, the day well, after. Well, you know, what's funny to me about the cockroach thing is that... Uh, it Apparently it's not been, true. Yeah, it's been put forward that the reason cockroaches are doing just fine up here in, say, the Pacific Northwest or Vancouver or Yellowknife or Anchorage is that we've imported all this environment, these houses, that is filled with temperatures that they enjoy and that if, you know, we didn't have heated interior buildings, if you know, all that came to an end, there'd be a giant cockroach die-off north of the Mason-Dixon line, yep. and they would do very poorly because they've adapted to live around us yep. in our urban environments. And if our urban environments stop having being an artificial environment, giant cockroach apocalypse, where the, the, the later generations of the cockroaches will think back to the to the you know to the furnace builders. Oh, the furnace builders, the bringers of the holy insulation, that you know, and the 
maybe, the, maybe maybe you should write a post-apocalyptic story from the cockroach's point of view, Scott. Okay. <laughs> clearly, clearly, I, there's some there is some story, and I don't remember who wrote it. It's a time travel story where they go into the future, and the guy shows up in the future. He can only be in the future for like. 20 seconds, and he looks around, he grabs like an idol, uh, he's like in a temple, he like, he doesn't change position, but he changes millions of years in the future, there's a building, there's fires, there's torches, he grabs the idol off the table, he zips back to the present, and what he's got is a statue of a god, or goddess, or something, but it's a fucking cockroach, it's some anthropomorphized cockroach, like Zeus or Apollo, it's their version of Zeus or Apollo, because, yeah, we blew it, and it's their turn now, so maybe that's all we need to say on the cockroach apocalypse, but, alright, anyways. Alright, so anyway, so that's it, folks, again, two movies worth checking out, I think, you know, uh, they may, uh, they're definitely. I know they're on YouTube because I know that's where you watched them, right, Scott? They're they're on no, YouTube. No, no. I, I own a copy of I own a copy of the day after. Okay. And I and I haven't gotten around to watching. Uh, I haven't gotten around to buying Threads yet, but I rented it from Scarecrow Video, where I also got the War Game, which which is on YouTube video. Um, on YouTube. Yeah. So it's uh it's yeah you find on YouTube. I think I the think, day after. I think Thread. I think Threads is on there in multi parts. Yeah. Day after is probably a Netflix, Amazon Prime type of you know thing, or you could buy. A, I think I got it cheap. I think I got it on Amazon used for like a couple bucks or something. You know. Yeah, was, that's 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 exactly the edition I got. It was one. It was like three dollars. Yeah, it was one of those things where it's like, well, I could try to find to rent it, or for a couple for the price of a rental, I could just buy the damn thing. So I bought yeah. the damn thing. So. Yeah. Exactly. So there you go, we're, folk. we're completists. We we must have all the nuclear holocaust. Yes, exactly. So anyway, folks, so that's it. They're both they're worth checking out. Like I said, uh, th the three things that we mentioned on the show also are on the favorites on our YouTube channel. It's uh, the the War Day, uh, a Guide to Armageddon, and on the Eighth Day are all on YouTube, and they're all on our favorites channel on the podcast at Run Zero. Hey, Mr. Wallace. Yes. Uh, next time, are we going to talk about uh, things like? Um uh, special Bulletin. Remember Special Bulletin from the 80s where the, nuclear, the terrorists blow up a, a nuclear bomb in Charleston, South Carolina? Not aware of that. Oh, yeah. There, there, there was a... It was like... There are two competing day-afters. One was Special Bulletin, which is like disguised as a news program, like, you know, covering the crisis of the nuclear terrorism in South, Charleston, South Carolina. And the other one was this cheesy World War Three movie with... You know, uh, I don't know with with with, uh, with what's his name from Starsky and Hutch fighting Russians in Alaska. You remember that? No. All right. Well, they're... well, regardless, we'll we'll talk about this offline. Uh, so we'll figure out what we're gonna do next time. So I don't know what we're gonna do next time, folks, as usual. But we'll we'll definitely he, decide. He, he never knows. I never know. Well, I'll, I'll decide. We'll, we'll talk about it offline. We'll figure what we're going to talk about, folks. But it makes this surprise you to find out where we're going to be talking about. So anyway, folks, surprise. surprise! So. Uh, check those out. Uh, uh, thanks again for being with us, and uh, we will see you in two weeks for the next show. In Thank you, fortnight. folks. In, in a, a fortnight, since no we're doing English apocalypse, as we should say, in a fortnight. In a fortnight, we will see you then. All right, folks, good night. Thank you, and uh, see you in the wastelands. Bye-bye. Cheerio.